Father, this morning we come to you. It's first Sunday. The Lord's Day. The Word of God says, Lord, on the Lord's Day, Apostle John, all alone in that deserted island, desolate place, was in the Spirit. And he heard God speak to him. Today, Father, we have come together in your name. We are not in a deserted place. We are in a chosen place. We have come together in your name. But I pray, Lord, help us to be in the spirit. To put everything away in the spirit. For your word is spirit, you said. Beyond the voice of man, I pray we'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Minister to us through the word of God. Through the word of God. We magnify your word above everything else because you have magnified your word above everything else. We come with this attitude that your word is the final word in our life. For it is forever settled in the heavens. So Lord, if it is settled in the heavens, it is settled in our hearts too. We sat, we sit here Lord. We pray with the meekness of Christ so that we can receive the word. We humble ourselves before thee. We pray, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us in these last days. Speak to us. We do not know whether you will come before the end of today or you could come tomorrow or before the week is over. If this is our last service on earth, speak to us once more, Lord. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 I want to turn first to 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So that you are looking at something that can be seen. Look beyond to something that cannot be seen. For the things that we see are temporal. Everything you look around. Everything you look around. Take a look around. Everything that you see is temporal, including the people sitting next to you. Even that body will go. If you want to retain this body, go to hell. If you don't want this body, go to heaven. Even this body in hell will not be the same. It will be putrefying and coming back. Putrefying and coming back. And the worms will be forever eating you up. Pictures in the Bible. They don't get a new body. So what are the worms forever eating? Something happens there too. So everything you look around is temporal. Everything. Things that we do not see is eternal. So when you come to the house of God, as you walk through faith, keep your eyes on the eternal. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. You don't have to set your mind on things above when you're hiding in a bunker and the bombs are falling all around you. You can do it now when things are okay. When that day comes, you don't have to change. Because there won't be time to change. Changes now in the good times, in the good times, the times of peace. Remember the wisdom of God through Joseph. Seven years of plenty, 
store. Then will come seven years of famine. Bring it out and sustain yourself. Wisdom of Joseph. These are good times. Relatively good times. Don't go by propaganda. The only way the war will end is somebody kills Putin. Otherwise it's not going to end. Don't think any side is winning. They are moving, planning accordingly. Europe's largest nuclear power station has been surrounded and taken over by the Russians. One by one they will take over. They are circling the cities. You know what they will do next? They will shut off the power. And people have only one option. Die or surrender. Because today, everything is connected to the grid. You shut the power off, everything stops. They are not fools. Generals sitting at the top are not fools. They plan everything. Okay. That's what, if, that's what these systems do. They just shut off the power. They block the internet. Cut water off, electricity off, gas off. How do you live? Can you live? How long will you survive? I can. 40 to 45 days without food. Practiced for years. Water, maybe a few bottles I will need. Have you practiced for a day like this so that you don't crumble under the system? Think. Practice. I'm not saying those doors will come. I'm not saying it will not come to. These things have happened in history for 2,000 years. But there was a church that always came through. This is not to frighten you. It's talking about realities happening. Did anybody ever think in the 21st century Europe would go into war? Nobody did. Nobody ever did. So think. But we are not to be caught unawares. We are been warned in advance. So God says, though you live on earth, your feet are on planet earth, you are raised. Set your minds. What matters is the mind. What ma- Where the mind goes, the body follows. Where the mind goes, the body follows. If your mind is on earth, your body is on earth. But if your mind is on things that are above, it does not matter where your body is. Things above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God, Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. So you know what? When these things happen on earth, your attitude will be different. Attitude matters. It does matter. That is why if you are walking by faith, you are a kingdom person. If you are walking by faith, your heart and your mind is about the king and the kingdom. Though you are living on earth. You're a kingdom person. That's what it means to live by faith. To walk by faith. And over and over and over and over the Bible says, My righteous shall walk by faith. My righteous shall live by faith. My righteous shall live by faith. Without faith it is impossible to please God. My righteous who walks by faith, if he or she draws back, my soul won't be pleased with him. And faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of God. Your word, O Lord, I have hidden in my heart. Thy word, what you have said. I will not allow circumstances, people, situation, voices, anything to be lifted up above your word. I will not. It is written. And I am prepared. 
because I am not caught by surprise, because I have been forewarned. That's what the word does. Prepares you for every eventuality. Every eventuality. That's where faith matters. Faith matters. In Galatians 5, 6, the Bible says, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision. It doesn't matter whether you are a Jewish believer or a Gentile believer. Only one thing matters. Faith working through in love. Only one thing matters. Attitude is of love. You love God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, what do you want for the neighbor? Saved. To go to heaven with you. Not to have peace. Leave me alone. I will live with you alone. Not that. That's not. I may get into conflict with you to get you up. If I have to pull you out of the fire, I will pull you out of the fire. I may pray in such ways which you do not even understand why you have so much trouble in your life. You don't realize I am the reason for your trouble because I'm making you so uncomfortable. Like I saw one of our pastors, uh, DP, saying that God will make the situation in the world so miserable that his people will say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And I see it happening. I don't know whether we are reacting to it the same way, but that's how it works. Nothing else matters. Faith working through love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he comes and puts three things together. He says, now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, hope is also brought in there. What is brought in there? Three things. Love, faith, and hope. I want you to look at hope in the context of faith today. Okay. It's very important because our hope is always connected with the future. And we are expecting any time now or 10 years or 50 years, we don't know when Jesus will come. There is a hope when he comes or when you die. Two eventualities. When he dies, when you die, which can be today, you could sleep, die in your sleep. If you die in your sleep, that means you died without preparing. Unless you are prepared and you knew you were going to die in your sleep. You could die in an accident. Okay? So two eventualities are pakka, either death or Christ coming. All of us brethren will not fall asleep. Paul will say, when the Lord comes. But the dead who are asleep in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are alive. So two eventualities are always put before you. Death or Christ. Either way it's fine if you are prepared. does not matter. But the question is, that is where hope comes. Now if you look at the book of Hebrews and chapter 11, it's about the people of faith. A huge list of people of faith. Look at the first two verses. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. So the elders we see in Hebrews 12 verse 1. We don't have to go there. The cloud of saints. How did they observe a good testimony? How will you and I observe receive a good testimony from God? There was by faith. But what is this faith 
that gives us a good testimony before God. Because ultimately the only testimony that matters is what God says. I know you or I don't know you. That's the first thing. Do I know you or do I not know you? That's the first testimony. Second testimony, well done or not well done. Nothing matters. Nothing else matters ultimately at the end of life. Does God know me or not? First testimony of God. Second is, will he say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. Take charge. Okay? So faith is the substance of things hoped for. So the question is, what did they hope for? What did they hope for? They received a very good testimony from God. But if you look at the end of the chapter, what they hoped for actually did not happen. Verse 39 and 40. And all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. So they hoped for something. They received a testimony while they were living because they lived by faith. But what they hoped for in faith, they did not receive. Why? God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. God says, you know what? I look at your life. I look at your life. I see from your life what you're hoping for. Yes, I promise. I am faithful. I will make it to come to pass. But while they were living by faith, looking towards that, they didn't receive it. Because he said, all of you will get it on the same day. Everybody gets it on the same day. That is called the day of judgment. From Adam onwards. The last man who enters in is waiting. Everybody will receive the judgment on the same day. So they are still waiting. So when they were walking by faith, they were hoping for something. Hoping for something. So the question is, your faith and my faith is genuine in the eyes of God, depending upon what we are hoping for. Prayer requests are all nice. God loves it. He has no issues. Some are hoping for a job. Some are hoping for a marriage. Some are hoping for a promotion. Some are hoping to pass. But let me ask you, all this is good. How many of the prayer requests here is eternal? How many is temporal? I'm not saying God, Jesus, when he walked on earth, he always asked, what do you want? What are you hoping for? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. The proof of faith, my faith, is genuine, is what we are hoping for. First, let us look at ourselves and see where we started. We started in Ephesians 2 and verse 12. At that time, you were without Christ. There was a time in my life, being born in a Christian family does not make you a Christian. Being sitting in a church does not make you a Christian. I was Born in a Christian family without Christ. Without Christ. I had Christianity, the religion. But I did not have Christ. Christ did not come to start a religion because we don't need one more religion in this world. Enough of religion. He came to start a relationship. So I was, I'll put myself there. At that time, I was without Christ. And I was an alien from the commonwealth of Israel. Truly, 
I knew about Israel, history. I did not know biblical history of Israel. I was not interested. So actually I was completely an alien from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. All the promise was given through the Jews. There is no promise in the Bible given other than through a Jew. You know that? Jesus is a Jew. He's from the tribe of Judah. So all the promises are through them. For everybody, but through them. And I was separated from them. And how did I live? Having no hope. Without God in this world. No hope. That is where we all started. Because I was without Christ, I was without hope. If you have Christ, you have hope. If you do not have Christ, you do not have hope. It's not whether you have Christianity. Whether you have Christ. The only proof test of salvation is whether you have Christ. Without Christ, without hope. That's how I began. Without Christ, without hope. Did not even know I was without hope. Because I did not even know what the end was. There are only two destinations for every man. Heaven or hell. With God or without God. I didn't know. With Christ or without Christ. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. Is how John will put it. Scary. That is how I began, you began, we all began. Without hope. No hope. Why we are without Christ? Without Christ, without hope, without God. Then what happened? We heard the gospel. Or I heard the gospel. 11 in the night, in the year 1983, one young man, of my same batch, another, another subject, he was doing physics, I was doing literature. He came into my room, knocked on the door, and came to me and said, James, can I talk to you? And he shared the gospel to me. I didn't understand much. Tried as much as possible, arguing with him as a good Catholic. But he asked me only one thing. Do you know Christ? And I said, no. I don't know Christ. My church never spoke about Christ. We have rituals. We knelt many. The carpet was very hard because of the choir market. Choir carpet, knees hurt. Okay, so I asked my grandfather, can I switch this church from this to that? Because here it is two hours, that is 40 minutes, he should go. So that was easier because they had no carpet. So my my encounters with the church is always connected with my knees. Not in prayer, but the hardness of the carpet. Honest, I'm telling you. Went to the new church, 40 minute service, come out, see that your sandal somebody has stolen. You, these things you cannot forget. When then told the priest, my sandals has gone. He says, what can I do? People steal in church too. Next day he preached about my lost sandals. Memories of the church, not about Christ. Then, you encountered Christ. Not in his fullness or anything, like a seed. Okay, The simple thing he said is, would you pray with me and ask him to come into your heart? See, Jesus in the book of Revelation knocks at the door of your heart. One thing for salvation. We have bolted our hearts from inside. We have to open it. You open it and say, Lord, I trust you. I believe only in you. Would you please come in? 
That is the beginning. That's the beginning. I didn't understand scripture. I didn't have a Bible. Somebody gave me a good news Bible. I began with a good news Bible and I found it was good. It was very easy to read. Have you read a good news Bible? It's very easy to read. Simple English. Very easy to read. Okay. I didn't understand theology. I didn't know what it meant positionally. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I didn't understand any of these things. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I think I gave it. Yeah. You know, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But when I woke up the next morning, it looked nothing had passed away. Everything looked the same. But this was the truth. Over a period of time, I would learn that all things did not pass away. He will make it sure it passed away. So think about this. Think. When you are born again, when you enter into the kingdom, you are born with Christ, with God, with hope. Everything starts changing. Focus changes. The first thing that changes as you grow, the priorities change as you grow, knowledge of starts coming in. And Paul puts it across in Ephesians 3, 9 as to make us all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God. So there is a mystery. This mystery is connected with a fellowship. Fellowship with God. Just his, It's a mystery. Suddenly you realize, I can actually hear from God. And God, I can talk to God. And he hears you. The fellowship. And look at verse, the next verse, I think 14 I gave you. Yeah. What does it say? For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Suddenly you realize, you know what? It changes. You have a father. You have a father. An eternal father. God is your father. Focus changes. Did you see that? You have a father. Can you see him? No. Can you see Jesus? No. But you realize you have a savior. And you have a father. For all the people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, the toughest, the most difficult decision of faith was taken by Moses. Not anybody else. Nobody had to take a decision like he did. But do you know why he took that decision? Look at what it is written in Hebrews chapter 11. And the words I gave you, it's not there. 27, I didn't give you. Hebrews 11, 27. He forsook Egypt without fearing the wrath of Pharaoh, seeing the one who was invisible. Endured as seeing him who is. The person made the difference. What made the difference? He took his eyes from the temporal and put his eyes into the eternal. From what he could see, the Pharaoh and the wealth the prosperity, the power of Egypt to look at he who was invisible. Focus has changed. Things are becoming new now. First Peter 1, verse 7 and 8. Is it true for us? The genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at the next verse. Whom having not seen, you love. Every person we love on earth, we have seen. 
at least a picture him we have not seen we love we have not seen but we love looking at it salvation things changing focus has changed where does your hope come from i've seen him who is invisible and i love him whom i haven't seen there is a person faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things unseen what is the evidence that moses had i love christ what's the evidence that you have i love him whom i have not seen look at that rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory even there is nothing to be happy about you are still happy and there is everything not to be happy about you are rejoicing paul and silas in the prison have you seen him are you rejoicing yes do you see how salvation changes everything your faith is connected to your hope what is that you hope for the ancients were commended for one thing what is that their faith was genuine why because their hope was genuine they were not hoping on anything that was temporal you go read tonight acts chapter 7 and think about read about abraham to whom everything was promised and the bible says in acts chapter 7 abraham did not even get a foothold in the land that he was promised yet he left everything i give you this land to you your you and your descendants forever ask abraham when he was living do you own anything he says yes what my wife's graveyard that's all i i had to pay for that's all i own nothing over here are you the heir to the promise yes do you own anything no then what do you own i own him i own him he's mine because he came to me and said i am your exceedingly great reward and your shield i am or i will protect you i am your protection not that i will reward you i am your reward the earth and the fullness belongs to god so if god is yours the earth is yours it's a person it's a person so think about it where is your hope Why were the ancients commended? Because their hope was in a person. In Ephesians 3:14 we saw. Now look at verse 14. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So I have a family in heaven. It's not my father who went ahead of me. No, I have all the others too. From Adam onwards, I do believe Adam is in heaven. Look and kick the first man out, right? Looks terrible. He's there. Okay. All of them. They are there. company of saints and the family on earth but this is a family but even when i see other christians i don't judge them i hope and i believe they believe and that's family some places you go they are easily identifiable some places you cannot make out which is christian which is the world but some places like in kerala in tamil nadu chennai and all you go over there you can make out a christian from half a kilometer that is a christian and you know and i still remember a long time ago when david and i were many years ago in chennai we went for a service and then we went for breakfast and when we went for breakfast the restaurant was full of christians after service they were eating not from the same service different church and i looked at them and i was so happy to be in a restaurant full of god's family and you know what i did i went and shook hands with everybody 
Do I know them? No. Will I see them again? No. But this is family. This is family. You have to be in the underground church when you meet somebody whom you do not know and they ask in low tones, are you a believer? You say, yes, you will see their joy. You are, yes. You are one family. So you have a person. He's your father. And Jesus came to take us to the father. And you have a family in heaven. You have a family on earth. Let me tell you, all who are saved, when you go to heaven, you won't be lonely. You will know everybody. Hi, David. Hi, Abel. Hi, Enoch. Hi. He will call you by name. There are no strangers in heaven. No strangers in heaven. Absolutely no strangers in heaven. Everybody knows everybody. So there is a person. Everything has become new. Why? Because this person has come into your life. And he's your father. So there are no orphans in the house of God. All our children. Sons and daughters. And there is a family. And John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. I love it. In my father's house are many mansions. What kind of house is that? House has mansions. If it may not, so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, that you may be also. So I have a father. I have a family. I have a house. It is home. So it does not matter whether I live the rest of my life on rent. On this earth, I will not be paying rent in heaven. None of you will be paying rent in heaven. Because your father owns all the houses. When he gives to you your house, it is yours forever. Don't have to worry about the landlord. It belongs to you. You have a father. You have a family. You have a house. Where is your hope? Hebrews 11 and verse 10. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So your house is in a city. A city built by God. Your house is in a city. And the city was built by God, not by man. Who is this talking about? People like Abraham. They lived in tambus, tents. Tambu means tent, Nepali. Living in tents. Like aliens, pilgrims, not bothered. Why? I have a city. In that city I have a house. And the builder of that city is God. A city. It's New Jerusalem. Not New York. Not New Delhi. Not New Jersey. All the cities will vanish. But there is a city that is forever and ever. And its name is New Jerusalem. And it's really new. Really new. So I have a father. I have a family. I have a home of my own. And I have a city. Not only that. Chapter 11 and verse 16. Now they desire better. That is a heavenly country. The city is in a heavenly country. Not an earthly country. I'm trying to whet your appetite. So you will want to leave earth and go to heaven. 
Well, not earthly country. Heavenly country. All these uh, adjectives you use when you go somewhere and have a, a spoonful of ice cream. Mm, it is heavenly. Nonsense. That is heavenly. We don't even know what is heavenly. Heavenly. So you have a new life inside. Everything has changed. You have a father. You have a home. You have a family. You have a city. You have a country. Problem is this. Misfit is this body. So First Corinthians 15 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. You get a new body. All the pieces of the puzzle is in. Now, the new life has an appropriate body. That is what the others are waiting for. They said, when will these people come up? We are all waiting for our house, our city, our country. Till then we are floating around. Because until they come in, we have to wait. Imagine poor Abel and all. How long the poor man has been waiting. He didn't die a natural death. He cannot even see his children. That's why his blood is curling. Lord, this brother of mine just killed me. I can't even have the company of my own children in heaven. And no children, no wife, nobody. And the poor man had been sitting there for how many years to get his body? And who is delaying him? We. The only misfit in all these things is this body. If you look at our hope, the only misfit is this. So where is our hope? Let us come back to the crunch question. Is your hope genuine? Did you come this morning to hear something about things above or you're waiting for how to prosper in things below? That is the issue I have with prosperity gospel. Not that God does not prosper you, but it takes your mind and heart from above and brings it down. And after that, nobody wants to go to heaven. Busy trying to create a heaven on earth. And then God has to send war after war after war. Putin will come. Justin Trudeau will come, Biden will come, she will come, all these people will come. Why? Because he says you are not ready. The minute we are ready, Putin will be put out. (laughs) Suddenly we read in the news, in Canada, Justin is just out. (laughs) And you will hear Biden, bye-bye. And about she, God will say she. (laughs) And the world is free. See, be honest. Be honest to yourself. You don't have to say it. Be honest. Most of us, our hope is still in this world, in this life. That's why we are miserable. That's why there is no excitement. Our hope, though we are saved, nobody is desperately trying to die. Everybody is desperately trying to live. I'm not saying you should commit suicide or anything. Your prayer life will show you whether you're desperately trying to live or die. So there is hope. But hope is common in the world and in the kingdom. Hope. It's not the same. The worldly hope is maybe 
In Nepali, it's very nice. Kuni kole thacha. Who knows, maybe? Who knows? Noah, will you get married? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> what is the guarantee? Is there any guarantee? No guarantee. Worldly hope. Nobody is sure. We call it fate. It's in the hands of fate. Not kingdom hope. Look at Hebrews 10 and verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Why? What's the reason? For the one who promised is faithful. Remember the character of God? God is not a man that he should. But the son of man, he should change his mind. The one who said, I am coming, is coming. The one who said, I am building a house for, is building a house. The one who said, it is a city, it is a city. There is a heavenly country. The one who said, is faithful. Our first part of eternity will be thousand years on earth. We are not talking about eternity as an eternity. If you were to read what life on earth when Jesus comes is, our mind will blow apart. Forget eternity. When eternity begins, there is this city coming down. This city is like a cube. 1,500 miles length, breadth, height, it is a cube. Maybe it has 12 floors because it has 12 gates. It's coming down on earth. Right now, one, two-thirds of the earth is sea. New earth, there is no sea. The city comes and I think it won't touch earth, it will stop there. Because there will be people on earth, kings of the earth will bring their glory to the city. And there is this massive, 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 massive city floating up there. Why? Because we have a body which floats. You should be excited. When children get one roller skate, you have to realize how excited they are. They are going like this. (laughs) There will be no roller skates in heaven. Everyone will be flying. And you can travel faster than light. Heaven should make you excited. Why? Because the one who promised is faithful. That's the reason why we have hope. Our hope is connected with that person. And he does not lie. Every word he says is yes and amen. He's true. So biblical faith is connected to hope because of the one who promised is faithful. Look at Romans 8. Verse 24 and 25. Not only that, we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. What is the hope? Our body. Lord, tired of this body. Really, tired of this body. The next body, you won't be tired. You won't probably not sleep. Because there's no sleep in heaven. You don't have to sleep. Because of this body, you have to sleep. Because this body needs rest. Other body doesn't need rest. God does not sleep. You don't get tired of anything. You can eat because Jesus ate when he came after the resurrection. You won't put on weight. That made people happy. He ate 
He said, do you have anything here? They said, broiled fish. He ate it. Then John 21, he made bread and fish for them. So they all ate. So I do believe from scripture, in the resurrected body, you eat. But you can be very sure you don't gain weight. That makes everybody happy. Some people more happy, some people less happy. People who are hoping to gain some weight are not very happy. People who are hoping to lose weight are very happy. But don't worry, everybody will be perfect there. Hope. But if we hope for what we do not see, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait it with perseverance. Did we finish 24? No, I didn't read 24. For we are saved in this hope that the hope that is seen is not hope. But why does one still hope for what he sees? So everything that we hope for is what is not seen. But it is absolutely sure for us. I don't see that. But it's absolutely sure. It is reflected on my action on earth. That is faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Abraham, why are you living in a tent? Because God said, I'm building a home for you up there. You getting it? So if your hope and your faith don't match, that means your faith is not genuine. Your hope in the promises of God will be automatically reflected in the choices you take because that is the evidence of that hope because faith in the things that are not seen. Not seen. Be careful about hope because hope and faith go together. Because there's a worldly hope. And there's an eternal hope. Eternal hope is based on what God has said. Look at the difference in the father of faith in Romans 4.18. Who contrary to hope, in hope believe. What is contrary to hope? Early hope. He's 99, wife is 90. God comes and says next year, we'll have a baby. No hope. Worldly wise, not possible. But contrary to worldly hope, hoped. Why? Because the one who promised is faithful. The one who promised is faithful. His hope is in the one who promised. Because he's faithful. That's why Genesis 21, 1 and 2 up. Powerful verses. You have to believe the one who has spoken because it says, oh, you didn't put it up? Okay, I didn't give it to you. It's okay, it's okay. It's okay, it doesn't matter. Go back and read Genesis 21 and verse 1 and 2. How God intervenes when he says something. Why are these things returned? These things are returned so that from these things we have confidence. You know what? If God did that for Abraham, what he said about me, I will come back for you. Or when you die, you will be with me. I believe. And therefore, I will not fear. I will not fear. I will not fear. So everything is based on what Jesus has said. Look at John chapter 11, verse 25, 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Yesterday we had these questions. Q&A, if you listen to that Q&A. Why are people afraid? Because they haven't overcome the fear of death. And people go into the ICU and you are sitting next to them. You don't sleep because you are scared if you sleep during that time the person may die. But when you go to sleep, you don't fear to go to sleep. You sleep because you have the hope tomorrow morning you will wake up. You know what Bible is, death is called in the new covenant? They fell asleep. 
What does it mean? They woke up on the other side. Woke up on the other side. So there is no fear. Because the end of all fear is death. And the Bible says in Hebrews 2.14, the devil through the power of death, the fear of death, held everybody bondage. And Christ doesn't deal with sin first, which causes death. He deals with death first. He rises from the death, saying, death, I have overcome you. Then he goes to heaven, puts his blood, and deals with the cause. First, he deals with the effect. And comes and says, you don't have to fear about death anymore. Why? Because you're going home. You're going home. You're going to the person who loves you the most. Going to a prepared place, a prepared city, a prepared country. Even though you may have to wait a little longer there if you go early, but that day will come. You're only waiting for the rest of the family to come home. That's all. Death has been overcome. And I'm telling you, this fear of death, you don't have to be in a bunker in Ukraine to be to be controlled by the fear of death. You can sit right here in the church and death controls your mind and you make your decisions accordingly because you're afraid. You're afraid. And Jesus comes and sets you free. And when you look at his words, you know what? You have hope. You have hope. And you walk by faith. You are not walking in presumption. You're walking by faith. I know the will of God for my life. I'm walking out the will of God and I will not test the Lord and I will never die before my time. I cannot be killed anymore. Like he was, so I am. He laid down his life. I will lay down his life at his appointed time. World may call, he died. But I fell asleep, went home. Fear is gone. Where does your hope come from? Your faith come from because of what he has spoken. What he has spoken. Don't look at fear. Death as a terrible thing. Going home. Where am I going? I'm just going home. So what are you hoping for? That's the question. What are you hoping for? Accordingly will it be your faith. We say we have believed in Jesus. After that, pakka walking in sight. No faith at all. Every word is connected with sight. Every prayer is connected with sight. Every action is connected with sight. God says, I'm looking desperately. Where is faith? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? One question is asking, why? Because your hope is connected with your faith. Your faith is a physical transaction of the hope you have in eternal things. I'm not saying you shouldn't ask for things in the temporal, but it is all connected with his will and his purpose. I have a race to run. I have a course to finish. I have a work to do. Everything is connected with that. That is also connected with eternity. Look at Luke 21, 28. He gives the list of things that is going to happen in the last days, what we are watching unfolding before us. And he says, when these things begin to happen, what should you do? Look up. How can you look up? Because your hope was connected to that. When you look at war, nuclear holocaust, you look at it. Hallelujah, Lord. At the most, what can happen if things go out of? I die. I go home. Don't say I die. I go home. What happens? You go home. Where do you go? The lover of my soul. Where do you go? I go to my own house. No, you don't have to worry about April. No rent to pay. T.S. Eliot said, April is the cruelest of months. You say April was the best month. I went home. Start thinking differently. Because if you don't overcome the fear of death, 
you will always make decisions which are based on fear and not on faith. You'll be a coward. And cowards don't make it to heaven. First in the list is cowards. Say, I am not a coward. Everything. Either Christ comes or you die. Either I die or Christ comes. I didn't give it. Go to Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. You have to look at 27 and 28, then only you will understand. He's talking about death. Beautiful. If you put, as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that is judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin. Meaning no judgment. You are a child of God, no judgment. The minute you die, he will appear to you and he says, come my love. It's over. If we judge for our rewards, we will be never condemned, never punished. It's over. Come home. So death is a beautiful thing. Those who eagerly wait for him. Eagerly wait for him. Yes, we have affections on earth. But every affection should be secondary compared to your affection for Christ. Because he demands it then only you will be free. If you have one affection on earth, which is more than Christ, you will live in fear. And you will live serving that affection. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ours together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day. Why do you come to church? And don't, don't tell me it's because, oh, I follow Hebrews 10, 25. No, 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 no. Be honest. You know why people don't come to church regularly? They miss church and they're okay. Because they don't have this hope. If you have this hope, you will never miss church. It doesn't care whether others come or not. It doesn't care who is ill in the family. You will go to church because it is an evidence. Your act of going to church is a proof of your hope. That the day is coming closer and closer. I'm going home. That's the proof. Church is where people gather. But God's saints gather. So whenever gathering of, of you gathering in the church becomes secondary, your faith is suspect. Because it is written, the day approaching. The day approaching. Understand? Because you have to relate everything to the hope you have. Everything that you do. This is not a religious exercise. Because when you come here, what do you teach about? About the one who is coming for us. Every sermon is ultimately here about Christ and his kingdom. We are not preparing for the world. We are preparing for the kingdom. And to serve the king in this world. It's all about him. We come here to worship him. We come here to pray to him. We come here to hear about him. And when we go out there, we are fellowshipping. If you are fellowshipping, saying that we are his family. So it doesn't matter what background we came from, what religion we came from, what nationalities we came from, what languages we speak. We are one family. That's our fellowship. One family. One father. One family. There's a family in heaven. and There's a family on earth. And I'm just a part of it. This is a family. Hope. Otherwise our hope is not real. On the other hand, if we do not have that hope, 
We can have hope on temporal things, it is okay. But we do not have that hope in the eternal things. You know what the Bible says about us in 1 Corinthians 15, 19? If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Most pitiable. Imagine two dead beggars. Okay, You see one dead beggar. You see another dead beggar. You feel sorry. Oh, two beggars died of poverty. Then when you are um, taking this beggar for burial, he's, you see he's a bag. And the bag is full of money. Who is to be pitied more? This fellow. Both are beggars. But one chose to be a beggar because he had no hope. Most pitiable. We have a father, we have a home, we have a family, we have a city, we have a country, but mind was never there. If in only this life, the most pitiable. So don't put all your eggs in this basket. Because that basket is being shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And you see eggs cracking everywhere. Because if our hope is not there, in the eternal. We will not prepare for his coming. We will not really prepare for his coming. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 and 13. We will not receive this teaching. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, to live self-control, upright, godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed. Why? Oh, this We will not receive the teaching. Lord receive the teaching. Why? Because there is no motivation. No motivation. Like students don't want to do MSET anymore. Why? All the engineering seats are lying empty because engineers are wandering around without jobs. No motivation. Why don't people receive the teaching of grace? Not the grace that saves. The teaching of grace that overcomes. Because there is no motivation. Because they are not waiting for the glorious appearance of Jesus Christ. If that was there, our attitude would change completely. Oh my gosh, he is coming. And that is my glory. And I need to be prepared for it. They will receive it with both hands. Are you getting it? First Thessalonians chapter 5, 23 and 24 again. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. Will you respond to his call? He's faithful. Will you respond to his call? So that Lord, my body, my soul, my spirit is found blameless when you come. See, everything is connected with hope. We don't have this hope, we won't prepare. We won't prepare. What motivates us? What do we pursue? First Timothy chapter 6, 11. But you man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Why should I follow the, pursue these things? Look at the reason, motivation. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Jesus Christ to witness the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot and blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, everything is connected with his appearing. And Jesus says, don't caught by surprise. 
don't say, sorry, Lord, I wasn't prepared. I said, I have told you all these things. Motivation is, I'm coming for you. There is a person who loves you. There is a home you are going to. There is a family. There is a city. There is a country. And it is forever and ever. And he says, be careful. Be, be careful. Be careful. Are you getting the picture? So why were the elders commended? Because they could have gone back to the countries and the cities God called them if they wanted, but they refused. They refused to go back. They saw something far off. Question is, what do you see far off? What do we see far off? Look at Hebrews 11 and verse 13. It's very powerful. Four words are used over there. If I'm. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. What did they do? They saw them far off. They were assured of them. They embraced them and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. They saw it far. My daddy is on that side. My home is on that side. My city is on that side. My country is on that side. They saw it. and They said, I will change my life here. So if anybody asks you, why are you living like this? You will say, my hope is in Jesus. I have everything here. I am content with I have. I am not separated that way, isolated from the world. I am separated from the world. I am not isolated. Isolation is demonic. Separation is divine. Separation does not mean we do not use the things of the world. We use the things of the world as if they are perishing. Okay, You can eat cake, you can make cake, you can have ice cream, you can eat meat. All that is perfect. Receive it with thanksgiving. It is sanctified by the word of God and prayer, but our heart is not in thing. Because even when you eat, you know it's going into your stomach and you know scripture. Meat for the stomach, stomach for the meat, both will be destroyed, so you're not bothered. Use everything as perishable goods. That's what it means. Not that we are ascetics and going into the Himalayas and doing tapasya. No, we are not doing that. That is hopeless people. We are right in the world, but we are not part of the world. We use the things of the world because we realize a father, every perfect and good thing comes from above. Don't be an isolationist. It's a demonic. Be insulated from the world. You can go into the world but the world doesn't. Even, like I used to say old days, in your soul, you should have Teflon cotton. No Teflon, non-stick pan is inside. Nothing sticks. Nothing sticks. Because you know, you got something better there. Something better there. So this company of saints, this cloud of saints, how did they look? One man is put across. In Hebrews 9, 11, 9 and 10. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. Was he a poor man? No, he was a rich man. Not a poor man, rich man. But he lived simple. He wasn't bothered. He lived in tents. He could have built a palace, but he did. So that if God asks you to build a palace, you should build it. I'm not saying, but I'm saying your mind, your mind should not be attached to the things. Because as a man thinks, so he is. So in Matthew 24, when Jesus is talking about the last days, the signs of the last days, all these things, first thing he comes and says, beware of deception. Beware of deception. And the first deception that has taken over the church is the Laodicean church. Their mind is on things below. Mind is not on things above. So there is no urgency or a desire really to see Jesus. 
There is no preparation to be with Jesus. If you were to come tonight, let us say it is going to be 11 o'clock. 12 hours time we have been given. Will we be ready? Can you get ready in 12 hours? First we have to start reading our Bible to know what preparing is, right? It's like the one of my best friends of old days. After undergraduation, he said, I have to work. James, I have to work. I have to work. So he went and got, but registered for MA. But private. Didn't go, come to, didn't go to regular school, college. Then just before the exam, he comes to me and says, James, I have no textbook. Exam is starting next week. I said, yeah, we are both writing the same exam. You have nothing. He said, I have nothing. How can you prepare? I said, you come, sit with me. I will give you five questions. At least three will come. Listen to me. And he passed. Now, if you look at his marks, just pass. Why? Because he didn't prepare. If you are only given 12 hours, do you have time to prepare? That's what God is saying. Therefore, in Matthew 24, warning after warning after warning, all the signs, everything. First he said, beware of deception. Beware of deception. Beware of deception. Deception comes in all ways and manners. The devil has a thousand ways to deceive us. Simple thing is to look whether you are deceived or not is this. Can anybody sway me from my affection for Christ? These are things which you need to know. The things which I decided long ago I had to tell verbally to people. There's a line you will never cross in my life where you ask for the affection of Christ which only belongs to him. You cross that line, I cross back, you never see me again. That is only for Christ. That is for no man, no woman, no child. Not even my own children. For him, I will suffer loss. There's a line you do not allow anybody to cross. That line on this side, it's just you and God. Just you and God. Jesus said, beware. Look at your heart's affections. At the top should be him. That's what Job will say. Even if you slay me. How many times have you said it? I have said it many times in my life. Even if you slay me, I will yet serve you. I have no second option. I have only one option. Option A, you. Option B, you. Option C, you. Only one option. There is no third option. No second option. So he wants. And then at the end of it, he comes and says in verse 42. Matthew 24, 42. Watch therefore for you do not know what the hour your Lord is coming. You do not know when he is coming. Even if he tarries, he is coming. We may die before our time. Or the time we thought we would die. Look at Shane Vaughan. I was shocked when I saw. My gosh, you guys probably are younger than most of us. But we grew up with Sachin and Shane Vaughan. Shane Vaughan was an icon. Who didn't know Shane Vaughan in India? You knew cricket, you knew Vaughan. Vaughan was a celebrity. And his, his, Ball that took over in, in England's captain is all etched in our my getting. Yeah, my getting. It was the last ball of the day or the first ball of the day? Last ball of the day. It's all etched in our memory. And he dies at 52. I look at him and said, my gosh, he's younger than me. What doesn't he have to protect his health? 
Is he a poor man? He's a millionaire. He's a millionaire. He's got every resource in his to control his health. He died at 52. A heart attack. Was he prepared? What guarantee? Watch and pray. Because you do not know. Watch. Bible says, watch. You do not know. Look at verse 44. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Either way the Son of Man is coming. Either you die and go there or he comes to take you. Either way you are going to encounter the Son of Man. And he says, it will be unexpected. It will be unexpected. If you don't watch. If you watch, it will be expected. You will know. It's getting clear. That's why we had that question yesterday for Q&A. And Paul will say, my departure is near. What a nice word to use about death. My departure is near. You're sitting at Hyderabad airport, booked your flight, you're going home. <laughs> going home. Who oh cries? He says, my departure is near. How does Peter say, time for me to put this tent away? Wow. How did people look at death? Think those things. You have to read Matthew 24. Very carefully, he's talking about the last days and when he can come. Then 25, 26 was all warnings about how we should prepare either for death or his coming. That's the interesting part. In Matthew 25, you have parables. But I want to look at two. One is 24, 48 and 25, 5. Something that happened. If that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. Why did that evil servant do evil things? Because in his heart he thought, God is delaying. God is delaying. I can stand here, stand on my head and also say, all of you will say, he is not coming today. So I don't have to change today. I can wait till tomorrow. Delay in his mind. Remember the five foolish virgins who got caught outside? Only one reason. 25, the next verse. While the broodgum was delayed. Let us say, let me put it across this way so you will understand. Today is April the 6th, no, March the 6th. Today is communion Sunday, first Sunday. Everybody came prepared. Judge themselves, I hope so. Put everything right with God and man. Everybody has come over here and prepared. And communion, everybody goes home. And after one week, he hasn't come. The bridegroom delayed. If he had come today, everybody would have been ready. Because you came prepared for the Lord's table. You came prepared. You judged yourself. You put yourself right before God and man. You came prepared. But what if he delays? He does comes between this Sunday and the first Sunday of April and you did not come with the same attitude before God. He delayed. Were you prepared? I'm just using an illustration. What delayed us? He delayed. Slumber. Slumbered. He delayed. Only thing, two, five people slumbered and fell asleep prepared. Five people slumbered and fell asleep unprepared. So whole 24 is science, watch, be prepared. And 25, he gives a couple of parables. 
parables is about preparation. The first parable is about the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. What's that parable about? Wise and the foolish virgins. What happened there? We know the parable, right? Everybody knows it? You know the story? If not, go read Matthew 25, verse 1 onwards. Go to verse 10. What happened? And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. What did they go to buy? What did they go to buy? Oil. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Symbol of what of the Holy Spirit? Yesterday, if you had listened to Q&A, there was a long answer, 45 minutes answer on one thing from Second Timothy 2, verse, chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear. He has given us the spirit of power. He has given us the spirit of love. And he has given us the spirit of a sound mind. It's all from the Holy Spirit. Agreed? What do I need power for? To overcome my flesh. I need power to overcome the world. I need power to overcome the devil. Right? Why do I need a sound mind for? To make quality decisions. Discernment, make decisions. But this oil actually is not talking about any of these things. It's talking about love. See, I can give you almost everything by laying of hands. I can give you an impartation of power. An impartation. The spirit that was on Moses could be put on 70 others and he didn't even feel any difference. I can give an impartation of power, impartation of gifts, impartation of anointing, impartation of everything. If I teach here and we both teach you and we regularly teach you and you understand, you have learned, you have a sound mind. There is something I can never give you. That is my relationship with God. I cannot give it to you. I cannot impart it to you. If you don't have a relationship with God, the door will be shut. There is something which I cannot give you. You cannot give me. I cannot have your relationship with God. You cannot have my relationship. I can teach all about it, but I cannot. I can only have a relationship myself with God. That's why they were shut out. Remember they were virgins. Remember they had light. Remember they had a lamp. Only thing is that when he delayed, they minored on their relationship with him. That is the problem with delay. You wake up every day as if this is your last day and you renew your relationship with him. You walk in that relationship with him. And that was what missing. I'm not talking about Bible study. I'm not talking, these are all part of it. But ultimately it is talking about walking in that relationship with him. It's a love relationship. The person of God. It's not about hearing ethereal voices or anything. You know this person. And you're actually fascinated by this person. You actually like spending time with the ones you love. Ask our mothers with the small babies. The babies hardly give them anything except trouble. But they don't mind spending hours with them. Because the baby gives them so much joy. One little grimace or smile, so many pictures, DP, you know, the joy that baby brings because it's of a relationship. 
relationship. We are problematic Christians because we go to God only when we have problems. That's why we are problematic. And that's why our problems never go away because God says that's the only way I can get you to come and meet me. Think about it. In India, we use the term petrol, but abroad they use the term gas for their vehicle. Gas is petrol, petroleum products, okay? Imagine your, your, your bike or your car is a full tank, but you haven't given it for servicing for weeks, months, years. You know, the engine will burn off because there is no oil in it. Full of power, but no oil. No oil. Power is there. No oil. Samson is full of power. No oil. And he burned out. Burned out. The Spirit of God left Samson. The Spirit of God left Saul. You know why? Because they did not focus on the relationship they had with him. And he left. Why was the door shut? Why was the door shut? Problem is with a relationship. Look at First Corinthians chapter thirteen and verse eight. Look at that first verse. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will. What is prophecy? It's in power encounter. Prophecies they will fail. There are tongues. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. It's a power thing. Will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish. Knowledge is power. But it's something that will never ever fail you. What is that? Love. In the Isle of Patmos, when John the Apostle has been condemned to isolation and in that desolate, he's not prophesying to anybody. There's nobody to prophesy to. His knowledge makes no difference. There is nobody to preach to. But what are the words says? In the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. Why? Because I love you, Lord. I don't need to prophesy. I no need to pray in tongues to edify myself to fight the next ministry battle. I don't need anything. But you know, Lord, one thing will not fail me. I love you. I love you. First test of your hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? Abraham, take your son, only son, and offer him. What is your hope? What is the test? Resurrection, yes, yes, but more than that. It's love. Do you love your son more than me? It's a simple question. Simple question is a question of love. Will you sacrifice your child for me? My way or highway? Hero, take the highway. My way is the narrow way. I will not leave my God for anybody. I'm talking about how that picture practically comes into lives, in marriages, in homes, in careers, in relationships. You know what? The gun that is held on to your head usually is your relationship with God. If you are a believer. Most people compromise. Okay, fine, 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 fine. Okay, okay, okay. Do we love God that way? Look at Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. It's a man in prison, waiting execution. Didn't die then, but died a little later. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Why? For I know whom I have believed. 
not what i have believed i know whom i have believed i know him and i'm absolutely persuaded i know the person persuaded that he is able to keep what i have committed to him until that day until he comes my heart is safe in his hands he will not break my heart he will not deny me he will not cast me aside i know my life is absolutely safe in him therefore even in prison i am free i am free you see this change he says but i am a free man look at chapter 4 verse 16 and 17 it's love that gives him the liberty at my first defense no one stood with me but all forsook me made not be charged against them why can a man say like that how can a man say like that the reason is the next verse but the lord stood with me so if the lord had abandoned me then you will look for oh this timothy never came this titus horrible fellow can be cannot be trusted i don't know what was the point in all this years of ministry i got beaten up everywhere lay in prison and i started all this church now when i need somebody nobody is there i don't know why i got into this means nothing he is with me i didn't start for them i started because of him He has never left me. He's never left me. Not a regret. No regrets. No regrets. Because the one who loves me and whom I love, he has never left me. He stood by me and he strengthened me. You know, it's a relationship. The first test, the first proof is relationship. You have to ask yourself this first Sunday, sixth day of 2022 March, how strong is your relationship with God? How real is your relationship with God? Your and mine. How real is our relationship with God? I have to ask. And am I growing in that relationship? Really growing in that relationship that, that, that I'm growing in this relationship that I am so very sure that if I am the only person who is growing that way, He will come back only for me. we talk, talk the other side if i was the only man he would have come and died for me which is true the other side if you are the only one who's prepared will he come only for you is that your level of preparation i long for him more than anything else would he be really able to say see we talk about romans 8 and we'd say nothing can separate us what famine war pestilence sword what cannot separate what can these things not separate us from love question is not whether god loves us god loves all of us question is never about god's love for us question is do you love god that way show me your choices you make i will tell you because the choices you make are now seen as acts of faith is connected with the hope you have if your faith is not a reflection of your hope your hope is not real so start evaluating all over Lord I want to have genuine hope that if you were to come tonight if you were to come in a weeks or if I were to die I need to have that hope not only I am with you five foolish five wise first corinthians and of uh, yeah first corinthians 16 and verse 22 if anyone does not love the lord jesus christ let him be accursed oh lord 
It is not if anyone God does not love, let him be accursed. That's not what he says. That's our theology. Oh, all these Gentiles cursed because you don't love. God doesn't love. You know what says no. God says I love everybody. But if anybody does not love me, in that sense, let him be accursed. What is that curse? He says I will come and take those who love me and you go through the tribulation. Think. Think on things that are above and not on below. Meditate upon Christ. Focus on him, the person, the person of Christ. After that, the other things should come. Focus. And if you don't have it, ask him. He will give it to you. Behold, what manner of love the Father has showered upon us that we may be called the sons and daughters of God. Five foolish, five wise. Which category will we fall? Because when they went out to start work on a relationship with God, the door was shut. He came and he left. We all have been given seasons. And especially young people. Solomon, the wise fool, would tell us. What is that? In the days of your youth, remember. This is the best time because mind is simple. Not too many relationship issues. Daddy, mommy, sister, brother. That's all very few relationship. Intensity of emotions haven't been scattered and spoiled in the world. Very little. He says, learn to love God first. Early. Early when you are young. Get to know God. Love Him. Focus on Him. Meditate upon Him. What a person He is. To the lengths He has gone to save us. Focus. Meditate. Learn to love Him when He is young. Give Him your heart. When you get old, your heart is broken into 600,000 pieces. 15 women took it. Some children took it. Some strangers took it. Some toys took it. Some cards took it. Car was dented. One side broke again. You know, people when they grow old, the heart is a mess. There are no affections. They are not sure, one, what they love, whether they love, who they love. Why? Because they didn't start with God. You young people sitting over here, you got an advantage. Start young. Joseph started young and finished well till the end because his heart was set on the God of his father. Daniel started well as a young man, ended up roaring lion till the end because his heart was set on his God when he was young. No dilution of affections. Think these things. Even if you are a mother and you have a nursing baby and you love your baby, once in a while lift up your baby and look her in the eyes or him in the eyes and say, you know what, I love you so much, but I love Christ more. Tell it, confess it. Then you will see God taking you seriously. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Because confessions are made according to what you believe. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Believe. Matthew 25, verse 14 and 15. That next parable immediately followed. Why are these parables in 25? Right after the signs of the days and watch and pray. He tells us what to watch for. First in the list. Watch your affections. Watch your affections. How do you love God? How do you love man? Watch your affection. 
Are you at peace? Pursue peace with all men and love God with all your heart. This is a time for conflicts to cease, not to increase. Watch your relationship. Second thing, God says, for the kingdom of God is, is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. So whatever God has given us, it is according to our own ability. You don't have to worry. Lord, why did you give less? He said, I know you. I've given you according to your ability. Second test is the test of work. Test of work. Cannot remain idle in the kingdom of God. Occupy till I come. One thing I will guarantee you from the word of God, you will find not a single lazy man in heaven. No entry. If you are lazy, you are not saved. Because repentance is hard work. If you have to daily repent, it's hard work. How does a lazy fellow work? He doesn't know how to work. So how can he repent? Prayer is hard work. Worship is hard work. You know why we struggle here to worship? It's only 20 minutes. For just one hour I would have worshipped. That's because you didn't worship at home. That's why 20 minutes, one 20 minutes also won't be enough if you haven't come here worshipping. And we blame the worship leader. Blame yourself. Paul and Silas were looking. I wish the worship team was here. Silas, no Silas. The worship team was here. We could have. They didn't need worship leaders. They didn't need anybody. In the midnight hour in the, this thing, God came down. That's the first. What is that? Rock and roll. He shook. Oh, this is footstool, right? When he heard that sound, he started tapping. Yeah, that's some worship, man. That is worship. Tell the truth to God. Tell the truth to God. Be careful. We all have been given according to our ability. God is not asking anybody to do beyond your measure of faith. Beyond the measure of grace given to you. Everyone has been given a measure of grace. Faith. The question is, will he be found faithful? Because verse 19 says, there is a day of settling coming because after a long time, the Lord of the servants came and settled accounts with them. So the day he comes back is the day of settling accounts. What did you do in my kingdom? I gave you something. What did you do with it? What did you do with it? Doubt, what did you do with it? I was, was, was telling Pastor Vijay and a couple of them, we have around 25 kids in our church, we have raised them from childhood. 25 kids, I think, boys and girls together. I told Pastor Vijay, these 25 kids, if we had taken the word, invested in them, except for preaching, they can do everything in the church. But they do nothing. Everything in the church can be done. We don't have to call anybody. Sound, music, worship, everything they can do. They do nothing. Know why? Because they don't believe. Couple of them, maybe. 25 kids raised and birthed and paid for by the church. There's a day of accounts that is going to be settled. And God will ask you, 
What did you do? What did you do? You have talents, but you will not give it to God. You have strength. You will not give it to God. You have time. You will not give it to God. You have energy. You will not give it to God. See them in the world. You will see their excitement, their energy, everything. It's a day of accounts coming. You will be judged. Be judged. I will be judged. We all will be judged. We don't even own this body. Corinthians says his body was bought by a price by God. We own nothing. Everything belongs to him. And he says, not only that, I died for you, gave you new life. My word, my spirit. Now I'm going to come and ask. And talents, and grace, and faith. Now I'm going to come and ask for accounts. What did you do for me? For me. What did you do for me? If you don't serve in the church, you will serve God nowhere else. Because it begins in the church. The church is his visible representation on earth. His body on earth. And if you don't do anything, you just pray. And God sees that. I am an intercessor. Lord, I rise up. I stand in the gap for your body and for your kingdom. And God says, I see. And I will pour out my spirit of grace and supplication upon you. And you will realize you have changed. Serious. I'm talking to you seriously because the day is coming closer and closer. The day he will settle accounts. Look at verse 26 about the man who did nothing. His Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Wicked? How can you call me wicked? You gave me one talent? Here is your talent. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. smoke. I didn't gamble. I didn't go shopping. What you gave, here take it back. God said, wicked. 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 You think you are good? God said, you are a wicked fellow. You are a lazy fellow. Lazy is okay, I can understand. That wicked scares me. I can understand people lazy. I don't understand how can this guy be lazy because you gave me one talent, here is your one talent. Take it back. Think these things. I shall drive you to your prayer closet and say, Lord, here I am. Like Saul of Tarsus. One encounter. Next, what do you want me to do? It will be told you. Here I am, Lord. Until you tell me I am in church. I have nothing to do. I will come and set the church. I will pray. I will clean. I will stand in the gap. And when church is over, I will be the first one to help it put away. You know what? Because this is my father's house. And this belongs to my father. And I'm here at my father's house. At 12 years old, Mary and Joseph asked Jesus, why could you, why did you do this to us, son? He said to them, did you not know I need to be at my father's business? Do you know your father's business? Do you know your father's business? Ask. The serious questions we should ask. We are not working to make money. We are working because our father is a worker. I told you, the first thing that man, when he was created, asked to do is work. Man is defined by his work. He made a garden, put everything he needs to eat over there, then put him over there and says, take care of it. That's your work. Tend and keep. And then he created a woman to help him in that work. 
he will judge us for our work whatever you do do it with all your strength as unto the lord is what the bible says cheerfully give it your all there are principles in the kingdom the law is basically talking about what you can do and what you cannot do but beyond that there is the spirit of the law the principle and the principle is very very powerful look at ephesians chapter 4 and verse 48 let him who stole steal no longer but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need this is the law this is the principle when you do not work you are stealing when you are not doing what god has called you i'm not talking about you working in your company do all that well that's fine as students and all but there is something specific each one of us has to do in the kingdom of god when you don't do that you are stealing from somebody's time somebody's life somebody's strength somebody's energy because god has to raise up somebody to do your work you are a thief God says in the kingdom in the world you may be a rich man in the kingdom i see you as a thief because you gave nothing you took everything principle he who stole let him did you steal did you steal others are standing in the gap and praying and you are prospering did you steal you should have prayed and prospered but somebody prayed stood in the gap and is interceding and you are prospering did you steal his time and energy did you are you a thief did you ever pray for somebody else and somebody says comes and says because of your prayer i have come this far you are a worker principles in the kingdom the real things because that is why jesus put 24 and then he put these parables together one after another let us settle accounts how did you work why do we work we do not work to eat because my father owns the whole earth i do not work to eat what i need he gives if he says eat three meals you eat three meals if he says eat two meals you do but he will provide why do i work i work to give why do i work why do you work to give ask yourself 2022 march the 3rd two months and six six days what have you given what have you given that god can say yeah he gave she gave he gave he gave to the kingdom it blessed my kingdom it blessed my people think of these things think on things that are above because we are going there very soon all of us will have to settle accounts or did we steal telling you watch out for match 25 it's important important read the people in the bible because i say there are there's a person and there is principles there is power and then there are patterns look at patterns and the bible will always talk about little samuel he wore a little effort and ministered unto the lord little boy you don't know what he did 
Can I get up early in the morning? Sir, sir, whatever you call Eli, the high priest, what should I do? Okay, you clean the lambs today. Okay, okay. I'll clean the lambs. He's serving in the temple. Serving, little boy. And serving, and serving, and serving. Little boy. And when the word of the Lord comes to him, <clears throat> then the Bible says the word of the Lord went from him to the ends of Israel. What do you do? Which you can specifically say, this is what I do for the Lord and for his kingdom and for his people. You want a resurrection? Ask about Dorcas. Why Dorcas was resurrected? Because when Dorcas died and Peter came, they sent word to Peter and said, see what she did for the saints in the church. And they were crying. And Peter said, this is too much to lose a girl like this because we don't have many in the church like this. Lord, bring her back. Let her continue her work because there are very few like this. Dorcas. One Dorcas in the book of Acts. You go to parts of the world, parts of India. You will go to parts of India. Churches have started ministries which are called Dorcas ministries because of one girl in the book of Acts. Her testimony continues till today. You go to Assam. I've gone into churches where they have Dorcas ministries run by women. You know, by because of one Dorcas and her testimony. What is the testimony? We will leave behind. Ask these questions. Ask these questions. Church, ask these questions. Matthew 25, 31 to 32. The third thing. Then the, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him. He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And 32. Yes, and the next verse I gave you, 34, yeah. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come you, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was taken, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we do this to you? Do you know what it actually means? The compassion of Christ Jesus became your natural life. Became your actual natural life. You are a compassionate, kind person who reached out everywhere there was a need according to your ability. Instead of focusing on yourself, you were focusing outward. It's not give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. It is Lord, take it here. Lord, I see a need there. Lord, I see a need. Quietly that became your nature. That became your life. But you didn't realize the Lord was watching. And the Lord was seeing. And he said, you did it to me. You did it to me. You did it to me. I mean, Leo Tolstoy uh, wrote this beautiful story about this cobbler called Martin. I never read that story in the beginning, but we acted it out in a drama in school when I was small. Parents used to make the kids act all these Christian uh, dramas. This is the cobbler who has a dream saying that, I will visit you tomorrow. Christ comes and says, I will visit you tomorrow. 
Okay. Now he is a cobbler and he's so excited. He cleans all his house, everything, and he gets everything ready because Christ is going to visit my house tomorrow. And he's sitting there and watching, watching, watching. He doesn't look at the face of people. He only looks at their feet because every sandal has been made by him. Looking at the feet, he knows the people. And he's like, okay, this is what. If it's strange, this thing suddenly will look up. Is it Jesus or not? I cannot remember the whole story. But there are three incidents that takes place. A woman and the little boy who steals an apple. Another incident that takes place. And the third incident that way. Every time something happens, he runs out, makes peace and says, don't beat up the boy. Why did he take apple? Here, take it. Let boy, don't steal again. Eat and go. So he resolves three situations and by then it is getting evening. And evening. And evening. And evening. And he's desperate. Lord, you said you would come. Lord, you said come. And then it is night. And he's very upset, sad. He goes to sleep. And in the dream, the Lord came and told him, I visited you today. He said, you did? Yes, I visited you thrice today. You know where he wrote that story from? Matthew 25, 26. I visited you today. Three times. I wanted you to see whether you would see me every time you saw somebody hurting and you could reach out. You had the capacity to reach out and change their life. That is what it means to keep your mind on things above. You will know. If you don't keep your mind on things above, God cannot transfer his burden into our minds. Because our minds are here and all around we are thinking only about me, myself, my future. God says, how can I use it? How can I use it? I cannot talk to you. You're full of yourself and your problems. You will never know deliverance. There's a verse in the book of Proverbs which says, He who refreshes others will be refreshed themselves. We used to sing this powerful song in the 1980s in that little youth group saying, Channels only, blessed master. We are just channels. But God needs channels. When self comes in, the channel is blocked. Blocked. Because the simple thing is this, remember, what is the reward in heaven? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. No, take charge. Can God trust you with relationships? Let me ask you this question. Can God trust you to love people unconditionally so that he can give you charge of nations? Can God trust you with work that he can give you more work in eternity when you have a body which will never tire and work is a pleasure and serving the king and not some crooked master? Can he trust you? It's the question. Can he trust you? Can he trust you to love people and not abuse people and curse people and use people? Can you love people? The people who have no power to hit back at you, no power to do any good to you, have no power to help you. Can you love them? Can you love them? You read Jesus' account of the three gospels, four gospels. You will see in one portion written about a few women who were cast out of demon, demons were cast. They served Jesus. He was invited here and there for a dinner. What did people do for him? Nothing. Sometimes he had nowhere to go. He had to sleep out in the open when the disciples were. But he kept on giving. Ask yourself, can God trust you with relationships? First thing. Can God trust you with relationships? Second, can God trust you with responsibility? I can count on him. I can count on her. You give them a task, it will be done. 
There's a verse in the book of Proverbs which says, there is one who swears an oath to his own heart. Are you that kind of a person? I put my hand on the plow. I will never turn back. Let it cost me everything. I will not turn back. Because your yes is yes, so is mine. Because we are coming to the table. And this is the Lord's table. And the Lord's table, do you know what it is? Because the day is coming. As you see this day approaching, the Bible says, keep gathering and spur each other to what? Two things. What is that? Love and works. Spur everyone to what? Love and works. And what is Matthew 25 and 26 talking about? Love and Spur each other. Spur each other. Not to blame one another. Love one another. And works. For the king is coming. And the day, the awesome day of settling of accounts is coming. What a fearful day. Maybe a day of loss for many because your works may be burned up by the fire. But you will come through. We're not talking about salvation here. We're not talking about salvation. And the final words I want to give you today is First Corinthians and the t- table. We can go. Come for the table, communion time. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. This is the table. This is where Potter, God talks about the table. 11 and verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till when? Till? Do you know what this table is? Do you know what this table is? The table is saying, I'm proclaiming his death and he's coming back for me. It's a preparation for his coming. It's a preparation for me. You know why he died for me? So that he could take me home. He's coming back. He's preparing a place. I just need to be prepared. And this table, when I partook of it, is my act of faith saying that I'm preparing. I'm preparing for your coming. It's not our table. It's called the Lord's table. Lord's table. I want the elders to come. Let me ask you one thing. Before that, before that, let me ask one thing. We will partake of the wine, an emblem of his blood, whatever wine it is, not real wine, whatever wine it is. But do you know what he said? I will not drink of the fruit of the wine until that day. He's waiting. Two thousand years the son of man has been waiting without taking a single sip of wine because he's waiting for his bride to come home and celebrate. We drink, he doesn't. All around the world, the bride drinks. The bridegroom doesn't. Why? He said, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you to come. Think, think decisions we take. Where is faith in this? Where is your hope? Think. This is not a condemnation. This is examining ourselves. Pastor Vijay, come. Examining ourselves. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, examine yourself whether you are in the faith or not. And only proof is this, whether Christ is in you. The hope of our glory, he will say in the letter to Colossians, the hope of our glory is Christ. So be prepared. Because when you see all these things happening, our hearts should be moved. Heart should be moved. And we are not afraid to stretch our neck out, stick our neck out. We are not afraid because we know, we know, I know, you should be able to say like Paul by now, 
I know in whom I have believed. Elders, please come, please come, please come. Father, this morning we just thank you. As we partake of this table, Lord, we want to put everything right with you and right with man, O oh Lord. Because, Lord, when you hung on the cross, you paid the price for all our sins, our iniquities, our transgressions. We received it freely. And we don't want to hold back anything from anybody, Lord. Freely we receive. And as it's written, freely we give, O oh Lord. We freely show mercy. We freely give, Lord. Let this partaking of these emblems bring strength and healing and awakening in the lives and the hearts of your people, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Jesus is coming for his own. Jesus is coming for his own. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed him. And look at how it ends in verse 40. Who are the people he's talking about? Verse 40. 25, 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did to the one of the least of these, my brethren. Least of my brethren. You did it for me. The least of my brethren. Look around. The day is coming closer and closer and the close. The white horse, the red horse, the pale horse is coming. Famine is coming. And we will regret all our shopping on that day. We will say, I wish, I wish, I wish. I had spent less on myself and spent more on others. We will regret on that day. I will not. You can say that before God. I will not. I will not. This year alone, I took a loan of 11 lakhs and gave every pie away. Loan of 11 lakhs to give it away. I will not have the confidence to say that, Lord, I will not regret I spent on myself. This year alone, took a loan from the bank to give it away because I saw a need. I didn't have, but I know I have 
I can borrow and pay it up on EMIs. The monthly EMI is 40,000 every month and not one rupee I have spent on myself. So when I stand before you and God, I know what I'm talking about. I am not afraid. I have to trust God even for the EMI and he gives it. I will not be ashamed when I stand before him. Least of his brethren. Since your shepherd, I need to tell you, don't be afraid. It's a day of reward that is coming. Day of reward that is coming. That's why I don't spend on myself. I do not spend on myself. All I need he gives. I'm satisfied with what he gives. I'm telling you. Do not be afraid. Because there is this. Least of my brethren. My brethren. It would be awesome day. When all these people whom you didn't even know, you stretched out and became the hands of God and you helped. In the twinkling of an eye, you reach heaven. You know everybody. You'll be surprised if all of you make it to heaven. You'll be surprised. The thousands, the tens and thousands, hundreds and thousands, if not in millions, who will come to you and say, GDC Hyderabad, we know you. If you were in there, we wouldn't have made it. We wouldn't have made it. You were in there, we wouldn't have made it. That's the confidence. John talks about the confidence of standing before God, unashamed. Live your lives before God. Should be able to say like Paul, my entire life is being poured out as a drink offering and my departure is near. I've left nothing. As a joke, I used to tell God, if rapture takes place, take me upside down, let my wallet also fall off. I don't want to take anything from here by mistake. It will fall down. We are taking nothing. Other than what we have sent before. Taking nothing. Remember that. It's an awesome, awesome day coming. Undescribable. Ears haven't heard, no. I see. God is preparing for those who love him. This morning, let us stand before this God and say, Lord, I love you. And therefore, I will not fear. When you say work, I will work. And I will give you my everything. When you say give, I will give. When you say wake up, I will wake up. When you say pray, pray, I will pray. I will do what you tell me to do. I am yours. It's good to have the knowledge of God. Even when you fail. Even when you fail. Even when you fail terribly. It's good to have the knowledge of God. For the prodigal son, when he came to his senses, his first words was, My father is actually good. Even the hired servants, the least of the servants, the least of the servants in my father's house eat well. They're taken care of. My father is very kind and compassionate to them. You know what? My father is good. It is the goodness of his father that caused him to turn his feet back. That's why I said, secure your homes. Secure your homes so that the prodigals would want to come back. The Iran children would want to come back. Secure your homes. Spend time in home. Children are small because their feet 
are prone to wonder. But one day when they come, when they come to their senses, they will say, you know what? I saw Christ in daddy. I saw Christ in mommy. I'm going back home. I know I have goofed up. I know I have goofed up. I know I have messed up. Remember the young girl who ran away from a little town to you to a city and they sold her for prostitution. She messed up all her life, everything. She was a wreck. And then finally she had, she's a wreck where in the brothel doesn't need her. And then she knew her address and she wrote a letter to her parents saying that if you still love me, I will come back. You know, when the train is passing by, there is an old oak tree before the station. If I am welcome, put one red ribbon over the oak tree. I will get off. Otherwise, I will go and you will never see me. And she had fare to go home. And when the train was passing by the oak tree, she looked out. The entire oak tree was of red ribbons. And the entire town and family was waiting for her. Says, Only one thing, child. Shh. You have come back home. Only one thing matters. You have come back home. That is the love of my father. That's what it means. You should ask yourself this question. When the Bible says, God so loved the world, what does that word so mean? Even in eternity, books won't fill to understand what that so means, how much he loved us. How much he loved us. Therefore, You should be able to say, he gave his only son for me. I give myself for you. Use me as you wish, Lord. No reservation, I take my hands off. I am not afraid. Because there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts away all fear. All fear. Cast away all fear. That's the only thing that will cast away fear. You know God loves you. You know you love God. Shall we pray? Father, this morning, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you for yourself, Lord. We are not here because of anything we have done. We are here because of what you are doing even this moment. For you said on that day, my father and I are at work from the beginning and still are at work. It's because of your work we are standing here. Not condemned, not judged, loved, loved intensely. Doesn't matter whether we know it or not. Loved intensely. In ways which the human mind cannot fathom. As you prayed that day, Father, I want them to know that you love them as you love me. That God loves us as he loves his only son, Jesus. That's why we are here. The power of that love. Oh, that power of that love. If Solomon said, love is as strong as death. The love of God is stronger than death. It was not that nails that caused him to hang on that tree. Because he had the power to come off that tree. It was love that caused him to hang on that tree. Love for us and love for his father. And I pray, Father, that there be an opening of hearts today. Oh, Father, restore that love. You said this is a year of restoration. And I pray the first thing that will be restored is that first love, oh Lord, you found lacking in the church in Ephesus. He said you have fallen away from that first love. I pray, Father, in all our hearts, shed abroad that first love for God. Shed abroad that love. That truly we can say, I truly love God with all my heart. As much as I understand, all my heart, all my mind, 
all my soul, all my strength. And then we can look at one another without condemning, yet helping. Because we are all in the same boat, going on to the other side. We're all in the same journey. And we have to believe He's coming for all of us. And we should be able to say, Lord, I don't want anybody missing from the church, from my home, from my household, and from the church. Those who are here and those who left, but one body, because they left, that does not mean they do not belong to God. Lord, none missing, none missing, Lord, none missing. We do not want eternal regret. None missing, Lord, none missing. Because in a moment, twinkling of an eye when death occurs, there are only two places. It's either with you or without you. And I pray today, with you, with you, all the way, with you. We just love you, Lord. We just love you. Protect your people. Protect your people from the enemy of our souls. For he comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But he first steals our affections for you. Our affections for you he steals. With fake stuff and fake relationships. He steals our affection for you. That's why you said love not the world or the things of this world. If you do, the love of the Father will not be be in you. We will not be able to love God. Oh Father, let no one steal our affections. Let our heart be stayed on you and you alone, Father. First place. First place. Preeminence as you gave us that verse to build this church on. Let Christ have preeminence in all things. Let it be true, Lord, this year. Thank you, Father. Bless your children. Let them go from this place. Loved. Loved. Secure in the love of God. I am loved. I am wanted. I am His. No one, absolutely no one, can pluck me from my Father's hands. Let them go with that assurance. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. Amen.